It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg. Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. You know, I, I don't hold a hose, mate, and I, I don't sit yeah. in control room. They're answers that only can come from Victoria, I'm afraid, because that's not my job. Well, I ain't spending any time, because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. G'day and welcome to Hard Hats and High Viz Week 8. That means the election is over, and Hong Kong Jack and Jack the Insider, the two Jacks, are here today to shuffle through the entrails of the federal election. But before we get started, I just want to remind listeners to uh, give us a bit of a wrap, if you like. If you like, uh, we would we can give ourselves a wrap, but we'd like you to do it uh, on social media. Let us know. Give us a review on your podcast app, uh, or in fact, let us know through Twitter. Twitter, where you can get hold of me, I'm Jack the Insider. Uh, I'm Jack the Insider on Twitter, uh, or indeed at the Condition Release Program. Uh, sorry, at, at, at gmail.com and the Condition Release Program at gmail.com. Drop us a line, let us know what you think of the show, how we can improve, or whether you just hate our guts and want to give us a kicking. G'day, Jack. How are you? That's G'day, Hong Kong Jack. Jack. How are you, mate? How are things in Hong Kong? Very grey here in Sydney. Yeah, pretty grey here as well. Now, there you go. So, uh, grey days. Um, But, look, let me ask you the question. Would it be rude to say that Anthony Albanese would only ever be the smartest man in the room if he was sitting there on his own? In the in, in the car seat, you mean? <laughs> well, well, it doesn't have to be that small a room. But okay. if he was just sitting there on his own, he'd be the smartest man in the, man in the room. Uh, but is that a problem, Jack, not being the smartest man in the room? I don't think it is. You know, we've tried the smartest man in the room uh, tactic just recently. The technocrats, um, yeah. And, and it didn't go that well. Can I just go to Bill Clinton for his opinion of Prime Minister Kevin Rudd? Oh, when he was newly Prime Minister. This is Bill Clinton. In my opinion, he is one of the most well-informed, well-read, intelligent leaders in the world today. Uh, you, you could just see Kevin preening at that. Couldn't you? You know, um, uh, Careful now. He yeah. is litigious. He is litigious. Uh, Bill Clinton again. He told me he really didn't know much about America. Like most Australian politicians who know more about America than they do about Australia, that's what he told me Sunday when we were talking. He then proceeded to describe in excruciating detail George Washington's strategy to hold New York in the Revolutionary War. (laughs) And I I have to like the the use of the term excruciating. It'd be like having Bob Carr (laughs) explain something to you. you Oh, Civil War. Bob Carr on the Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American Civil War. Oh, he is, uh, look, that is, that is, that is is, uh, basically his topic. Uh, Don't start Bob Carr on the American Civil War. You'll be, you'll you'll be literally... (laughs) Literally gone for hours. Make sure you make sure you got a comfy comfy chair. So um, it's that, not an insult to say someone is not the smartest man in the room because, no, because, because just, there are other skills as a politician that Elbow has. No, uh, yeah, the, the, when Julia Julia Gillard when Julia Gillard took over, she said, I, "I never wanted to foster the culture that says once the leader has spoken, then everyone must defer." I don't think you prove leadership by sitting out each and every moment to kind of prove you're the smartest person in the room. It's just not the way to run a government. I'm sure Bob Hawke always thought he was the smartest man in the room um, because his narcissism knew no bounds. But but he was a clever enough politician to realise that that's not the way you run a government, that you actually empower um, your ministers um, uh, and... um, Well, back in the day... And you form a consensus... Back in the the Hawke day, yes, of course, but but back in the Hawke day, you had Barry Jones, and he is the smartest man in any room you'd ever walk into. Terrible politician, but a very, very smart man. (laughs) So so being smart is not not, uh, the politician's key skill. It's the ability to, to, to negotiate... To win, uh, 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 to win consensus um, uh, through yeah. uh, through the arguments of others. That's right. Yeah, and, and and to bring and to take people with you. The role of leadership is to take people with you. It doesn't mean you've got to bully them and terrify them because they're too they're too frightened to disagree with you. That's no way to learn. Um, um, and everything about Elbow that we've seen so far is is, is promising um, uh, him him to be a really good prime minister. Yeah, I thought it started on the night, on, on, you know, on his victory speech, you know, because there were, 
at the Can- Canterbury Hurlston RSL there that night. Quite a few friends of mine and probably yours too, Jack, were there. And some of them, well, a pocket of that crowd was involved in a bit of triumphalism and a bit of hubris. Uh, but Elbow jumped on that straight away. You know, you very rarely see it in a, in a victory speech, but he said, hey, that's enough of that, you know. <laughs> Be quiet and listen to me. Yeah, and as, as soon as Tanya Plibersek went a little bit um, off-piste um, uh, with the uh, sledging of uh, Peter Dutton, he jumped on that as well? Yeah, look, uh, yes, he did. He did. I'm, I'm sure there would have been a phone call, and it's probably true that Tanya may have felt a little miff that she wasn't part of the Gang of Five. Yeah, the, uh, the first round of ministers sworn in. She, yeah. she is the education, or will be the education minister, and they're due to be sworn in this week. And she's a former um, deputy leader and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, so she might have thought, well, no, look, I mean, I, I, I think we'll, we'll talk about how 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 uh, uh, the, the new Labor government approaches its opposition, um, but the best thing to do in these cases is basically pretend that they don't exist. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. yeah or, 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 if, or if you're pushed on their existence, oh, yeah, well, you know, they're sorting themselves out, you know. That's what You know, they've got their challenges in front of them. That's what you say. Yeah, that's about it, isn't it? Rather than rather than kick a few heads. Plenty of time for that. Um, but, yes, after that, after the victory speech, uh, uh, Elbow uh, uh, went to, went, of course, to Tokyo uh, for the quad meeting. Uh, that was a, a stunning success. You know, he was two days out from being elected and all of a sudden he's being deified by Joe Biden uh, and uh, and uh, a hearty welcome and congratulations from uh, Modi and the, the Japanese Prime Minister. So it was a, good, a really good start. There was, there was a congratulatory note from the Chinese government, from the Chinese Premier, which he sort of swatted away, um, which was great, I think, because he, you know, the the, the, t- the talk was tough, but it was also had meaning uh, that it said, look, you know, we'll regard rapprochement as having occurred when you drop the drop the trade sanctions, and yeah. that's that's just how you spell it out to China, isn't it? You know, this is this is our position. Yeah, straight talk works. Yeah. So, South Pacific, uh, Penny Wong's doing, or has completed now, a, uh, a uh, whistle stop of, uh, of, um, of the South Pacific, including a tour of Fiji. And this coincides with the Chinese Premier again, who's, uh, who's now uh, doing a hearts and minds visit of, uh, of the South Pacific. So, Australia has its work cut out there, doesn't it? It does. You'd have to wonder why... Uh, no one was up in the South Pacific uh, immediately following the Solomon Islands announcement, wouldn't you? It was just actually astonishing. The Pacific Minister then was Zed Sezelia, known widely in, D- in the DFAT community as the Zed Team Jack. Well, he's um, he's a, he, he was the, the junior senator from Canberra, I think, wasn't he? Um, uh, yeah. From the ACT. Um, uh, it. it, it, it Puzzles me that Maurice Payne, who was then the foreign minister, wasn't up there rather than the, the ZJ. Yes, I mean, uh, for Australia, it, it, it seems that, uh, you know, we should be spending a lot more time in the Pacific than, than we are in, in Europe, for example. Uh, <clears throat> because there are great challenges on there now. But, but most of all, I think there was a perception, there has been a perception around South Pacific nations that that they were treated as uh, as a bit of a joke by governments, not just the, just the, the one immediately passed, but by governments generally over a fair fair stretch of time. Yep, like that's right. That's been an error. Now we talked about cabinet government, Jack. <laughs> what does that really mean? Just Tell me what we, that just means. Just before from... we get to the end, which we're talking about the the good things that the government's got off to a start. Huh? They've also dusted off that tried and true um, uh, technique of saying, "Good Lord." We've got in here and opened up the filing cabinet and had a look. It's much, much worse than we thought it was going to be. We've had a look at the the, uh, the profit and loss statement. Yeah, we've opened terrible. up the books yeah. and we've had a bit of a squiz around and things are crook in Talarook, Jack. 
Yeah, and can you remember Peter Costello doing this um, in 1996? You know, he was on the telly for about three weeks. I my good, couldn't believe how couldn't bad believe, things yeah. Yeah, Stuff yeah. that was left, IOUs. Yeah, yeah, money missing and yeah. all that sort of yeah. stuff. Someone's yeah. had their hand in the till, yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no biscuits in the tea room. It's just terrible, <laughs> you know. And, uh, Jim Chalmers, uh, Jim Chalmers has led that, as has Katie Gallagher, the finance minister, have led that attack. And 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 it is a common thing. It's a common thing for good governments to do it when is. they come in, isn't it? it is. You know, it's not. Yeah. We might remember two thousand and seven. You, you you mentioned Costello coming in in ninety six, but we might remember two thousand and seven. And under Kevin, it was uh, hands across the divide, and uh, let's see if we can't find a job for some of you retiring liberals, and 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 and, and that sort of thing. It was kid glove treatment. You know, it's not about giving him a kick, but at least you've got to say you wouldn't believe how crook things are now that we've now that we've had a good look at them. Yeah, no, so that, that's an excellent start. The other thing is, I think Linda Burney might be a listener to uh, the two Jacks. We did, uh, we did see a little bit of evidence of uh, that, there, Jack. We talked about this in Hard Hats and and High Viz uh, the previous week. How the Uluru state statement could be prosecuted, and to be fair to Linda, she she may well have been listening, but to be fair to uh, the uh, yet to be sworn in Minister for Indigenous Affairs, um, these are fairly sensible, you know, fairly what we suggested was fairly sensible that you take your time, that you prosecute this across the community, you deal with people that you might not especially enjoy dealing with. But you win the argument slowly, slowly, slowly. Hmm. Anyway, she's off on a really good start with that. Um, the temptation is when you've been out of government for a bit um, and you've got something important like the Uluru Statement to do that you jump in there and say, look, let's, let's get this through tomorrow, you know. Uh, and yeah. It's just the wrong approach, you know. Uh, uh, but, sorry, go on. But, 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 but everything about this government suggests that they understand that they're going to have to take the community with them mm. um, while, while, they, uh, while they proceed. So um, that's an excellent start. Well, yes, and, and just uh, as a reminder, uh, we we on the two jacks for hard hats and high vis were talking about Marbo and how Keating was able to persuade uh, all the stakeholders uh, how to progress on it, even the ones he didn't like talking to, including the Victorian Premier of the time, Jeff Kennett, um, and uh, and Linda Burney also cited uh, that as uh, uh, as. As a, as, as a way to approach it. So, yes, she may well have been listening to, to and, us uh, and, and, uh, and I think she gets it, that the biggest danger to yeah, her statement is the Greens. Well, yeah, that, that was a statement made by uh, um, the new member um, for Lignari, Marius Scrismore. I think that's how it's pronounced. And, uh, and yeah, she made that point too. It's a very sensible one. Uh, and in fact, it was as we discussed the the problem with uh, with the Marbo legislation. There are a couple of WA Greens there who thought, well, oh, well, we don't think this will be fair on Aboriginal people, but we're, not that we've met any. Um, but uh, we're going to vote it down, and it, uh, they uh, they walked that one back after Paul Keating came into their offices and had a very strong word in there, she likes. Had a quite, um, little, had a quite little chat to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, look, the Uluru Statement is so important. It, it's, it's important in that it changes the way the nation feels about itself. That's why it's, it's a really big thing. And, and really big things like this uh, can't be progressed uh, just by sheer will uh, or sheer desire. To get it to get it over, it's something that requires the great political skills of winning people over in argument, and and that takes as long as it takes is the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, we did just go. On, I just did just want to touch on cabinet government, how um, uh, how it should work, Jack. You tell me. You tell our listeners how uh, how cabinet government should work. The prime minister's the big. He's got the big chair in the middle, right? Yeah. And then we've got a, a then we've got a cabinet of probably twenty two ministers somewhere of that order around the table, and they will have out, outer ministries. Uh, they'll yet to be determined. Um, what should take place in a cabinet meeting? 
whenever someone wants, whenever a minister wants to put something up, it goes on the agenda, and the minister's got to go in there and argue their case, and and they argue it out until they reach some kind of consensus, and ultimately it goes to a vote. Um, so yes. it's not it's not decided by four people in the Prime Minister's office before they go in. It's decided actually in the Cabinet room. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and that's pretty best, much what's been going on, hasn't it, in the past? You know, the, well, that, that, that's what goes on in government. good governments, but it isn't what's been happening. Oh, no, no, I mean, it, yeah. if we look at the Morrison government, you almost had a gang of four there who, who yeah. would basically determine the progress of, of any legislation or any particular uh, 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 government matter. I know that there were uh, issues in regard to uh, in, in regard to the pandemic that that basically did reduce it to a cabinet exercise involving the state uh, involving the state and territory uh, ministers mm. and state premiers and territory chief ministers. But in terms of a cabinet uh, at the Australian federal government level, it was it seemed to me that three or four people uh, were uh, were running it. And everyone uh, would just be told, would just presented to them as a fait accompli, and that's indeed what happened in the in the first Rudd government. The yeah, well, we Ford. did actually have have did have the gang of four, didn't we? Doing doing that, um, and, and and that wasn't a success. Um, I've got to say, the best government we've had uh, in my lifetime um, was was I think the Hawke government, and they they went a step further. They actually improved the situation by reshaping the public service so they had a smaller cabinet and each cabinet minister each each big government department had a cabinet minister in charge of it and then had junior ministers looking after parts of that department but not the whole so at the cabinet table was someone responsible for every department of state Um, and that that worked exceptionally well of course, it was helped because of the talent in the Hawke government, but that, I think, is the best way to go about it. So what the government's got to do now is, firstly, the caucus will... They've gone back to the Rudd silly idea of him appointing the um, uh, the ministers, deciding yeah. who's going to be a minister. The caucus so will the, elect... the caucus will determine uh, who's in the cabinet? We'll determine the ministry. The, yeah. the caucus will elect the ministry and then... The prime minister will decide who's a cabinet minister and who's in the outer um, outer ministry, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 allocate the portfolios. But at the same time, they need to shape the public service. So you work out. We'll uh, get to that. We'll, we'll, get, to that. we'll get to that in a minute because that's really a very difficult thing, and we'll, we'll talk about the issues that arise from that in a in a little while. So, Al- Anthony Albanese listens to his caucus who say, we want these people in ministries. Yep. And it is Anthony Albanese's job as Prime Minister to say, I want these people in my cabinet and these people in the outer ministry and I want these people in fixed jobs. But he's going to have to talk to to the caucus or to the key people in the caucus while he does that. Right. Um, Because there are factional considerations, there are geographic considerations um, you know, even if your best twenty people were in Victoria, you wouldn't have twenty. You wouldn't have an all Victorian cabinet. You've got to you've got to share that around um, geographically as well as amongst the factions. Well, you would think on the on the election performance, you'd have half a dozen from Western Australia, Jack. Could be. Well, well, there might be, but I mean, but what I'm saying is, it's not about representation, but it is. It is about having national representation. That's so right. you've yes. got ministers everywhere. But just yes. as an aside, what do you think of these community cabinet meetings? They're junk ideas, aren't they? Terrible idea. Don't see any point in them at all. Just really silly, and 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 it's the idea. I guess. Look, I, I sort of understand the legitimacy of it. You go to a town hall. Uh, it's all ticketed, so, so people people can be declined um, uh, uh, declined a ticket. But uh, generally, uh, people in the local community can go and, and basically interview, I suppose, uh, the cabinet um, around the country. It, 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 it was just an odd thing to do. It's it's confusing campaigning with governing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, this is essentially the pointy end of it. It's the executive. We vote for people to represent us in the parliament. 
um, by party, and when that party finds itself in government, they determine the shape of the executive. Isn't that right, Jack? That's correct. And and and, and don't forget, we you know the Westminster system has a, a tradition of uh, cabinet solidarity. That is, you, you go into cabinet, um, and you can, as a minister, you can argue your case, mm. uh, and you can argue against somebody else's case. But to, the tradition is when you walk out that door. All the cabinet cabinet members agree with the decision, at least until they write their memoir. (laughs) Yes, indeed. But what you're saying is that it's basically the way to panel beat an idea in the best way. I mean, we could talk about committees creating, looking at a horse and creating a camel, but what we're really talking about here is a cabinet comes up with, uh, that the a minister comes up with an idea, a policy, an approach, a, uh, a, a, a shift in funding, etc. And, and, and once it's looked at by the body as a whole and is subject to a critique, then it becomes better through that system. You know, well, you, you get rid of the sillier ideas. You get rid of the sillier ideas. Straight away, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, for instance, um, uh, a national broadband network, as first proposed, wouldn't have made it through a proper cabinet process. That was designed well, in an aer- that was designed on the back of a coaster in an aeroplane between Stephen Conroy and Kevin Rudd. Yeah. Um, uh, look, there's much to much to like about it, but there, 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 there was nothing really behind it. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the things that I liked about it were that, that that it opened up regional Australia, and and now regional Australia has got oh, you know shitty knows. broadband. How, how much money could we have saved if they just run one cable to your uh, uh, office at home. Um, uh, and That's not uh, it, Jack. I'm talking about information, <laughs> information rich, information poor people, and it shouldn't be defined by postcode yeah. or geographic location. That's that's the issue. The, the, what we've got here is, you know, <laughs> the, it, the previous it, government has actually acknowledged the failings of it and is now looking to upgrade uh, upgrade to fibre to the home in as many ho- many ha- homes as possible, particularly in regional Australia. So they understood the issue around it. But it, it just would have gotten, gotten off to a better start if it had gone through a proper cabinet process. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. This idea of uh, writing things down on the back of, uh, back of uh, beer coasters is probably not the right way to govern, Jack. Uh, but no. we've got in the we've got as uh, as you mentioned before. There's an issue with the public service, isn't it? Now, should we have a night of the long knives? Should we just uh, send uh, many of them packing and, and make new appointments? Well, I I think any government's entitled to have um, public service who they are confident will work with them to provide good government to Australia. Uh, did the pre- did the previous government? or the public service around the previous government become politicised? Oh, I think that's been an increasing thing, not just in the previous government, since since the Whitlam era. So there is a case for, well, certainly I, know, I saw some, saw some uh, sort of a Twitter flurrying uh, about the PMO. Uh, surely everyone in the PMO should be gone, you know, as, as, of, as of last week. Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to leave that to the incoming government to decide and they can make... And if they're sensible, um, you don't. I don't think a wholesale removal of people is a good idea. You look at the people that you think you can work with and, 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 and find some others to replace the ones you can't work with. I suppose, yeah, the, side, the, 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 the downside to the night of the long knives is that there are only a few people in the country who can do these things, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, it's not as if we're talking about, you know, we just pull someone out of a shopping mall and say, would you like to be uh, head, of the, uh, head of the Prime Minister's office? No, um, it's a peculiar skill set. Yeah, it, 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 it is, you know, I mean, even people from corporate with corporate backgrounds would struggle with uh, the the dimension of uh, of uh, of that sort of appointment. You it's, ex- quite, it's quite a different job. Yeah. What do you reckon would happen to the uh, uh, the head of uh, uh, well, I think it's called <coughs> Home Affairs now, Jack Pozzolo, isn't it? What would happen to him? Well, f- firstly, you want to look at whether you want to have a department of home affairs, whether you want to have that big super department. Oh, God, what are you going to disentangle it now, Jack? It was a bugger of a thing putting it together. 
Well, well, I think an incoming government is, is, should be should be free at some stage to say whether they think that's a good idea. And there's some things they could get rid of. They can get rid of those black uniforms for starters. They've got a lot of medals. They have handed out a lot of medals yeah, to the uh, Border yeah, Force. I mean, yeah. it's just all a bit ridiculous. Um, but I would think uh, Labor would go, just my sense of it, that Labor would tread very, very quietly over immigration. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, the, 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 Im, immigration, uh, about immigration matters in Australia, there's a large degree of consensus. It's yes. one of the reasons why Australia has the most popular and successful immigration program in the Western world. But in refugee policy, I did notice uh, after the vote turned back, um, uh, the Sri Lankan vote, which uh, is a bit messy in itself um, um, in terms of how that was politicised on election day, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yes, uh, the Greens and, and others were saying that uh, this was deplorable from Labor. Um, I, I just... I, I, it's like um, it's like June 2010 never happened when there were you know we were on Guinness Book of Records rates for for boat arrivals in this country and there was really a sense and, and you know me Jack I'm sort of I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps a reformed open border guy but there was a real sense that that the, the government had lost control of immigration. There's, there has never been a consensus for open borders in Australia and I think there never will be. There, there, there are a, a noisy minority who think we, that's what we should do, but that is never popular. It's no way to get elected to government. Yeah, so we'll see uh, over, the, over the coming... And, 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 and Prime Minister Albanese and other ministers seem to recognise that. So would you expect to see these public service announcements, the hirings and the firings, occur over the next... What period? Next week or so? Next month or oh, so? It could take a little bit longer, but yeah, over the next you know, next short while. Yeah, we are still we are still waiting for ministers uh, to be sworn in. In fact, the announcement of uh, the, the or, or to be elected out. for that matter. Yeah. So that's one part of the process, and then and then we get down to govern, and, and then they get down to govern. Anthony Albanese is prime minister. What are the sorts of uh, pitfalls they need to avoid? Oh, the first one is already done. Um, I have a, have a, it's a pet peeve of mine. I really don't like it when Prime Ministers talk about my government. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awful. Um, uh, John Howard did it. John Howard did it for months after he got elected in 1996. And every time, I think I was setting new world records for swearing at the television. I must check with my wife whether, <laughs> whether she sent that off to the Guinness World Guinness Book of Records. But every time the my government thing came up, there would be expletive after expletive. But so I just don't like it. it's, it's, it's not your government, Anthony. It's our government. The government that I lead, because that oh, was a comment. That's, yeah, it's marginally it's, better. It's but, yeah. not much better, is it? You no. think? Because that is a bit of an Albanese favourite, or was during the campaign. It's the, the government. government that I lead. Yeah, yeah, it's the government, isn't it? Yeah, or our government, if you like. But you know, it's not, not my not. government. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I see what you yes, I see what you mean there. Yeah. Okay, so the government, our government. All right, what's next? Um, oh, I suppose there's plenty. How, there's plenty. how much consultation should there be with the, with the crossbench? Well, a fair bit. I mean, uh, and there should be a fair bit of consultation generally in the community, is, is, is my view of. If you, if you want to make change, you've got to carry people with you to a large extent. So what does Labor do about, let's put the Greens aside for one moment, about the, the teal independence, for example? Uh, do they appoint someone almost like a whip, just to keep them informed, sit them, sit, sit them down, have a cup of tea, uh, take them out to lunch, that sort of thing? Well, that's generally the job of the Leader of the House, um, uh, which is not a... Um, it, 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 it has no constitutional or, or um, legislative basis to be Leader of the House. Um, I can't remember. I think it dates back to the 1950s. Menzies appointed the first one. Um, and I think these days they get extra pay, so they get paid more than their cabinet colleagues for being leader of the house. But the, but the, the, the job really revolves around um, reporting to the prime minister and and keeping control of the parliamentary processes, which also means making sure you know where the votes are, and that means 
you and probably a couple of other people have got to keep talking to the Teals all the time. And that would be Tony Burke, wouldn't it? Tony Burke would have that Almost job. Almost certainly be Tony Burke. He's, he, he was you know, he was doing a good job as leader of the house, and you know, as leader of the opposite, as parliamentary leader of the house. Um, mm. uh, yes. So he'll, he'll he'll be good. Yeah. Yes. Well, he was up against uh, Peter Dutton, and uh, who was a leader of the house on the floor and in the chamber, and. And, um, and, uh, and now... Elbow, Elbow himself had been leader of the House in the previous government. Yes, he had. And, uh, and, and Christopher Pine did a good job as leader of the House um, uh, for the, under, under Abbott and uh, Turnbull, I think. I think uh, when Morrison became Prime Minister, that uh, job was... Well, Pine did not get that job. Um, and um, uh, it went to... I'm just trying to think. Oh, I think it went to... Uh, um, Christian Porter, uh, and then and then when he had his travails, it was sent off to Dutton. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so Burke, I would think almost certainly will take that role. Um, uh, and I just mentioned Dutton. He's not as annoying as Christopher Pine, but I'm sure he could work on that. Yeah. Oh, look, <laughs> Christopher Pine's <laughs> actually quite a quite an amusing fellow uh, and entertaining fellow uh, in person. And I know people find that very difficult to believe, but he, he, um, he, he actually is quite a, quite a pleasant person to meet. Um, not, not for everyone, of course, Jack, as we know, but... Um, um, well, there, there often is that disconnect between politicians' um, media persona and their personal persona. I can recall this coming up... Um, uh, uh, a very successful corporate chap from Australia was coming through Hong Kong when Julia Gillard was Prime Minister. He's on his way across to Doha and uh, a mutual friend arranged that we would meet up and have lunch. And this bloke had been having quite a lot of dealings with the government uh, with Julia as the new Prime Minister. Um, And uh, he sat down over lunch and said, look, you know, I've sat next to her in meetings a few times and she's warm, funny, engaging, absolutely across her brief um, and um, uh, and just so good to deal with. And he said, um, uh, is, that, is that the real Julia? And I said, well, I've known her since 1985 and that's absolutely who she is. Um, and she says, why don't I see that which is on the jelly? <laughs> there is that disconnect sometimes, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. And and, you, and and the reverse is probably true with the potentially litigious Kevin Rudd that that that, that everyone thought he was terrific until, until got you to got him. to sit next to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nobody who knew him thought that. You know? <laughs> if you had to sit next to him in a couple of meetings, it might be what do we say? Ah, it might not be all that comfortable for everyone involved, and we just say that. In mind, bearing in mind that Kevin Rudd is potentially litigious um, the, in this day and age. So, um, yes, yeah, so we'll we'll move on to the Parliament and how that might work shortly. But but clearly, uh, Burke and others will have to uh, 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 cuddle up to the Greens as well, particularly in the Senate, because they know that they won't be able to get legislation through without the. Uh, the thumbs up from the Greens and the Jackie Lambie network. That seems to be the consistent route, the pathway. I'm not sure cuddle's the right word for the Greens. It's a bit like cuddling a porcupine. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. They have to drop, I mean, you know, they have to drop the hubris that they showed in 2010. They say they've learned. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we, we did talk uh, a week or so ago about the National Party cart leading the Liberal Party horse and how disastrous that was uh, and 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 Labor really can't be seen to be dragged around by the Greens this time and the Greens have this view of course as we know that if, if uh, they can't achieve perfection in their eyes they'll just shut the whole thing down Yeah, the pursuit of the perfection is the enemy of the good yeah, that's right. And it's sort of an apolitical view of the world. My way of the highway is not how politics is supposed to work. Politics is about finding the possible, the art of finding the possible, Jack. Well, I spent a lot of years in the socialist left of the Victorian Labor Party and the Greens are effectively um, uh, about 40 or 50% of the old socialist left um, and... 
you know, the tomato left they were known as in those days and they are exactly the same people and they have exactly the same approach. They would rather die in the ditch and have no improvement whatsoever rather than accept any compromise. Yeah, we'll see if they've learned. They say they have, and really with the kind of representation, we did notice, unfortunately, that the Madonna At least Garrett, this time there'll be no no marriage ceremony with the Greens. Yeah, that was ugly. Um, but we do know now that uh, Madonna Jarrett, a uh, friend of yours, Jack, has unfortunately gone down in Brisbane, and the Greens' kitty has won that. The only good thing I'd say about that is I did have a few bob on him. Um, and uh, and did recommend to my readers that in the Australian that they do the same. So if they did, they'd be, I think, about eight to one better off. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, let's get on just with a bit of a review of the ele- of the federal election. There's been some terrible bloody nonsense written uh, by the commentary about what the Liberal Party must do now, Jack. What should they do? Or should they just, you know, jump in their cars and, and and drive to cliffs and head over? I mean, this nonsense that they should become more right-wing, what does that mean exactly? Well, I'm just puzzled that um, Twitter is full of all of these Labor and Greens people who seem to be filling their entire day with telling the Liberal Party what they should do. I'm, I can't work out why they care. Yeah, well, but Labor and the Greens, at a sort of parliamentary MHR or Senate, Senate level, they should be ignoring them and uh, leaving them to their pain because they've got a lot. But the, the, the thing I want to talk to you about was this view that's been put about in the commentariat by conservative commentators saying the Liberal Party needed to shift to the right, that they needed to basically, they can't win. Almost to put the white flag up in the inner cities. We can't compete there. What we need is a new right wing model. But I just don't even under that will appeal to the suburbs and the regions. But I just don't understand what that means. What would that mean uh, in, in practical terms? Would it mean that they want a reduction in immigration? Would they want to go down the sort of one nation route? I, I don't get it. Well, what, you, what you've got to do when you lose um, an election. Um, uh, is, well, the starters don't do what Labor did uh, in 1996, um, uh, which, which, which was they couldn't work out why they lost at all. The first thing you've got to work out is why did we lose? Yeah. Well, and, there, is, uh, there, is, there is a review underway uh, that's been led by Jane Hume and uh, Senator Jane Hume, and, uh, and she is working with Brian Lochnan, Lochnan, sorry. Uh And uh, should that... Regardless of the legitimacy or otherwise of that of that review, should that be made available? Should that be made public? No, it's a matter, that's a matter for the party. Um, but, but should it be made available to the rank and file? Uh, probably not, because because otherwise you won't get the frankness in response to right. the people you talk to. Um, uh, um, but the first thing you've got to work out is what went wrong, and what went wrong is relatively straightforward. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the Morrison government was a government, the Liberal government generally, it was a government that had run out of steam. Um, uh, that Can I thought, offer a theory, Jack, that in 2019 they didn't expect to win? That's probably and, right. And, yeah. and, and when they woke up on the Sunday morning after the 2019 election, they said, what the bloody hell are we going to do now? Yeah, and, and, and what they did after 2019 was keep on campaigning rather than governing. So they lost their approach, which is to be a competent government. They stopped doing that and started to be a political campaign machine all the time. The is other that thing, Morrison's go, though? I mean, that's, is that that's Morrison's leadership go, under, under, yeah, under, yeah. under Scott Morrison? Is yeah. this, 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 this perpetual campaign, government, through the prism of, of of election campaigning, that, that basically you never want to upset anybody, and you want to pick up friends along the way. It's yes. not a good. It's not a good way to run a government, no, is it? it? It's a terribly poor way to run things. The other thing, of course, is in twenty nineteen, people didn't know Morrison all that well, mm. um, and they were prepared to say, "Well." He's better. You know, we think he's better than Bill Shorten, and that's not a very high bar to jump over, um, uh, in my view. Um, in your view, 
Well, um, I mean, that, that should have been the Labor Labor review of the loss of uh, the loss of the unlosable in twenty nineteen. You would have been yes. a fairly short review, Bill yeah. Shorten. Yes, that's uh, right. just, yeah, just the two much. words. Yeah, Bill, Bill Shorten and Bill Shorten and too many promises, too many big big ticket item promises was the reason they lost in, in yeah, twenty nineteen. They, they knocked them off one by one. Um, yeah, yeah, they did. Now, 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 this what what should happen now with the Liberal Party is you work out well. Okay, what happened was we were a government that's run its steam. What did Barnaby put it in, in very country Australian? The curtains. People need to change their curtains. That's probably sometimes fair, right? you don't need to change the curtains, but they'll change yes, the curtains anyway. anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's, a, there's an element of truth that all the way along we thought that the government had run out of steam. Right? Yeah. The other thing was people had gotten to know Morrison better this time. Yeah, that's right. And, and and by God, they didn't like what they saw. Didn't really <laughs> care too much about it. It wasn't quite – I mean, look, it was a baseball batting. Uh, I hate the term because, you know, in this country we uh, we use the grey nick or the, yeah. the gun and more. Yeah. Uh, this was an English bat. But anyway. Um, uh, even even one from the Madras rubber factory. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that's okay yeah, as well. Yeah. Well, they make a very nice bat, the MRF. Um yeah. Uh, but yes, they were waiting, and and, and it wasn't so much uh, an embrace of Labor, but it was uh, let's give this let's give this mob the the toweling they 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 richly deserve. Yeah, and in fact, there was a lack of embrace of Labor. There was yes, an uncertainty was. about Labor. Um, they just knew that in just enough numbers, they liked them better than Scott Morrison, which is not that hard. Um, uh, but but in Western Australia, that was different. There was an embrace of Labor in Western Australia. Well, Tell you what, I mean, we're the last Liberal out of Western Australia. Please turn the lights off. I mean, they, 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 they really have been reduced. I don't think rump is the right word. I think they've got five federal MPs. They've got two in the upper house, sorry, two in the lower house in Western Australia, uh, where uh, uh, McGowan leads with a thumping majority of 54 to 5. Uh, he's basically just about wiped them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and maybe it wasn't about McGowan. Maybe it was about how how Morrison and Porter and others, you know, referring to Western Australians living in caves and all. It's just it's not, not a good way to speak to potential voters, Jack. No, even if you think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't say it. You yeah. don't say it. I mean, and 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 Labor, as I as I read these things, so Labor had uh, had had had. had Basically, just absorbed all of that and went. Okay, well now we know how to campaign. How, how are we going to win this campaign in Western Australia? And uh, yeah, they got absolutely smashed. What happens now with Scott Morrison? Surely he can't stay in the Parliament. He reckons he is. Um, well, I don't think it really matters much. If he stays in Parliament, he'll be a he'll be, he'll be a pest um, like Kevin Rudd was when he stayed in Parliament. Um, well, you, Dutton can't give him a ministry, can he? No, he really shouldn't. Well, he shouldn't, yeah. It is something to watch, just exactly what uh, role and, Morrison and, and, is going and to I don't have. Think he, and I don't think Dunn will. Uh, it, I, can't, uh, I can't see anything else happening to Morrison other than a by-election in Cook in about three months' time. Yeah, it might take longer than that, but it'll happen. <sighs> What does the Liberal Party have to do about Scott Morrison? Surely they have to put some distance between him and them going forward. They have to make they've got to make him they've got to make him the the, the, the person who got who, who who basically gave them the defeat. So he becomes really really he's got to get a, a, it's not a kicking because they'll say, oh, look, we want to thank him for his uh, leadership in 2019, but after that he seemed to have lost his way. There needs to be some pretty harsh words said about him from within the party. Yeah, I think you can just do that quietly. You haven't got to make a, a huge fuss about it. And, and the thing, thing to do is not to make too much of a fuss about it, is just to move on with a, a new leadership and a, and a new approach. So you don't have to destroy the cult of the personality, Jack. Well, I don't think there was much cult of a personality around him. He didn't have a huge amount of widespread support in, in, in the party itself, in the, amongst the party faithful. That's why they couldn't have proper pre-selections in New South Wales, because he couldn't carry the party with him. Well, stories are emerging now that Josh was offered the job last year, Josh Frydenberg, his uh, treasurer, and knocked it back. <coughs> 
that there were serious concerns about how Morrison was being perceived in the community. And then, of course, Morrison... Well, we now know how he was perceived in the community. Well, they, they seemed to know that it was really bad. And, 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 and since, you know, since then, the, 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 the campaign was a presidential campaign based on Scott Morrison. Just with, just with the wrong vehicle. He's just a poor vehicle to carry it. But look, it was an interesting, it was an interesting election. Um, you know, um, the Liberals, we now know the Liberals are susceptible to losing seats where there are high levels of relatively well-off well professionals uh, as those people become more progressive. That's a worry for the Liberals. But equally, I think it's fair to say that Labor faces some challenges in the same way. We were talking the other day about a seat that used to be called Melbourne Ports. What's it called now? McNamara? Yes. Um, they'll be lucky to hold that from the green. It's so complicated. Um, it, it really is so complicated because you've got, um, you know, every vote being counted three times, but there's preferences running all over the place. Uh, some of the some of the right-wing UAP type, uh, type votes are preferencing the Greens and all this sort of stuff. Uh, as we said before, um, Madonna Jarrett went down in, in, in Brisbane, Brisbane. Uh, on, on much the same sort of shift. Um, McNamara's uh, going to be a really tough hole for Labor. Um, uh, and, and um, yeah, that, that gets them to 76. Uh, they certainly need that one. They're 75 at the moment. They certainly need that one, but it's really up in the air um, as to whether that will happen or not. Mm. But there will be other seats in future elections where, depending on how Labor goes as a government, where they will face some of the same challenges that the Liberals face. Yeah, we're going to take uh, a bit of a look at the Teals now because I think there's been perhaps a little bit too much applause for the Teals, Jack, uh, certainly from people on the left and Labor and Greens and what have you. So one of the things we did see was the rise of the Greens in the absence of Teals. So in in places like um, uh, Griffith, in, t in places like Brisbane, in, in places like Ryan, which are, generally speaking, well-to-do suburbs, the Greens have had a win, uh, had wins in all three seats, Griffith, uh, Kevin Rudd's old seat. Uh, and there were, of course, no Teal candidates there. Green vote very, very high. Um, and we do have this sort of business of so one 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 seat lost to uh, each of uh, well the the, the LNP lost uh, Brisbane and and, um, and Ryan and, and Labor have lost uh, Griffith as a result and that was without without Teals so what happens going in going going forward with the Teals what happens there um, would will they run candidates in seats like Benelong? Will they run candidates in seats like Cooper, uh, the old uh, Batman, uh, Northcote and its environs? Um, I do know because I heard a little whisper from uh, um, from one of my contacts that uh, there will be a teal candidate in the uh, in the in the state election, Victorian state election, the seat of Hawthorne, which Labor picked up against the odds. Um, uh, against the odds, really taking that you know blue ribbon, uh, blue ribbon liberal seat, taking that off them. So this is <laughs> first. I guess the first thing to to notice about this is that it's not all good news for Labor. No, it's not. No, I, I, said, I said they have their susceptibilities to a teal or teal like um, uh, a campaign against them. And those occur in, in elections where you've got, uh, sorry, in, in, in electorates where you've got, I would say, high rates of uh, tertiary education, high, high incomes, high asset net, net worth, um, those sorts of things um, that uh, can allow people to make uh, sort of big judgments on things like climate change without having to worry about their consequences too much. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so well, that's just a that's just a little bit uh, of uh, inside information that the Teals will run. Uh, well, I certainly believe they'll run a candidate. Their method of campaigning, too, Jack, uh, is long, uh, long and loud. So they will begin uh, campaigning for for the Victorian state election within a within a month or so. 
Um, and yeah, so that's the news from this one. That the, the Turtles will run a candidate in the state seat of Hawthorne. Um, they could they could do quite well, I think, if they can find the right candidates in in a Victorian state election because the the yeah, uh, the, the, just, the Liberal Party down there is a shambles. Um, oh, it's a cartoon. Uh, and, and, and and equally, Labor has some vulnerabilities. I think. Oh yeah, there certainly are some vulnerabilities for Dan um, going forward. But um, uh, uh, but in my view, the Liberal Party haven't got the haven't got the nows to. To, to make use of them. Uh, no, that's why, which is why I think there's an argument for somebody else. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The Greens and perhaps some other third party might, might make some benefit here. Anyway, was, anyway Dan, Dan might decide that monkeypox is a big a big worry and shut the state down for a few months. So, um, uh, <laughs> That'd be a bold move. That'd be a courageous yeah. move. Yeah. Um, I did that would just, be a Sir Humphrey courageous move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, I did, uh, I did come across this too, Jack. Liberal MP, that's Victorian State Liberal MP, Tim Smith says party should forget woke elites in seats like his and go hard, hard at the outer suburbs. I tell you what, if, if Tim Smith's still running around mouthing off, and Dan, 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 Dan Andrews won't have too, many, too much to worry about, will he? No, no, he's a gift that keeps giving for, for Dan Andrews, isn't he? You know, please be around. Please be around in November. Tim Smith, you idiot. It's hard to see blokes who are actually involved in politics and he grew up in state politics and absolutely no sense about what they're doing. You do find it a bit and it's kind of alarming. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's a, bi- that's a bipartisan thing, I've got to say. Yeah. You know, they, they, they have it in every party. Now, we're just going to wrap up with a bit of a discussion about polling. Now, it's clear that polling um, didn't get it right in this uh, in the federal election after getting it all wrong in 2019 um, and many global examples of similar similar shambles. Um, what I did on, on, a, on, on a review, I saw that news poll both had um, the primary votes uh, of the Labor and Liberal parties way too high. Um, the uh, the <coughs> Fairfax Daily, uh, Fairfax Daily's, uh, I think it's Reveal polling company, they seem to get it closer than anybody else, but they were still out. Uh, so there are a couple of, they're, they're, all of them were, were points out of the uh, two, three points away from, uh, the two-party preferred, as we understand, its votes are still being counted, but it's about 51-49, um, veering into the 52-48. Um, uh, and the polling's got it wrong again, Jack. Is there something wrong with the methodology or a people? Nowhere near as spectacularly wrong as 2019, I don't think. Yeah, well, that was and, a shock. And, 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 and they'll just be saying, well, don't worry about the details. <laughs> um, we actually got the result nearly kind of right, you know. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, so so all the methodology was wrong. And if you look too closely at the details, we were hopeless. But don't look at that. Just say, look, we said there'd be a Labor government. And there is. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe they can get away with that. But when I mean, we look at approval approval ratings and things like that, and, and some people might see that sort of junk questioning, but the... But, but Scott Morrison had a negative approval rating, but he was still, I think, a point above or might have been even money's preferred Prime Minister. And I get the feeling that when polling companies call or drop you a line on the internet or even front you in person, that people are not going to say, I really hate Scott Morrison. When they do, but they're, not, but they're too nice to say it. Australians are very nice people, Jack. There's a whole lot of stuff that people get asked in all kinds of surveys where they will get, where they will give the answer that they think you're looking for. Yeah, that, that, that there's a heavy bias, in, particularly in face to face polling in that regard. In that regard, yeah. where where you know what would you like what would you like to hear? And, and I certainly think in those personal approval ratings, um, uh, Morrison was well and truly underdone. Um, um, because now we know just how unpopular he has been. Uh, not popular, you know, I mean, where, he, where his sanctuary of, of Queensland really didn't turn out to be a sanctuary at all, and pretty much in all other states, with the possible exception of Tasmania, he was almost universally disliked. 
Yeah, that's correct. I mean, this is not specific to politics. Uh, This comes up with climate change. You ask people, should we do something about climate change? And they'll say, oh, yes, we should. And then you ask them, when they make their own choices, do they actually do anything about climate change? And the answer is no, they don't. Um, So you look at what people do rather than what they say they think that they would like to do. And it's the same same between choosing two products. They will give you the answer that, yes, I, I want to buy the environmentally sensitive product, but they don't. They buy the one that's good value. Yeah, and, and that is that sense of, you know, I, I, that is that sense of, you know, we'll give you the answer that you want to hear. Yeah. But I, I honestly think that when it comes to, I mean, look, it, it was it was very clear to me in my social meanderings, Jack, you know, you talk to people and the, the, the views on Morrison were absolutely unprintable. Um, and certainly not the sort of language that we would use on this podcast, Jack. And I, I just couldn't believe that he still had an approval rating worth worth uh, worth thinking about. It, it, and and it's not just the company I keep. I mean, this is sort of the general view. I re- oh, I don't know who's going to win, but I, I really dislike that that Scott Morrison. I really don't like him at all. And that, that was a, and, and that from my my reading and and from my talking to people down there as well is. Pretty much across the party political spectrum, it was, was. Yeah, that, yeah, he that was, was as thing. unpopular with liberals as he was with Labor people. Yeah, I'm always wary of those. I, uh, I, uh, I voted Liberal all my life, but uh, now I'm not going to because of oh, Scott Morrison. Yeah, That's yeah. you hear that, <laughs> you hear yeah. that, and you think, hey, are you sure you're a Liberal voter? Are you sure uh, yeah, you're not yeah, sneaky yeah. little Labor voter getting in there, or a Green, or a Teal? Um, but yeah, there was a, there was a strong view that that Morrison. Oh, well, look, I, I live in an area affected by bushfires, and 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 certainly his behaviour around that was was utterly deplorable. Not only did he get it wrong by uh, by trancing off the uh, 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 prancing off to, to Hawaii and then blamed his wife for it, uh, but then uh, he uh, he came back and started thrusting his hands in the in, in the Throwing his hand in the hand of others who didn't want to have anything to do with him. Do you remember uh, Cyclone Tracy and Dale? Uh, well, didn't didn't Dickoff turned up though? Didn't he? Uh, he flew home from Rome. Uh, well, he, he was, was in Greece. He was on his first trip to Europe, but he'd taken a little side tour so he could show the press gallery around um, uh, the ancient ruins in uh, in Greece. Um, and, and he got back eventually, like Morrison, he did turn up back, for, but he was a long time getting back and he was reluctant to come back. And that cost him a lot. Yeah, look, that it's just a no-brainer. I remember Kevin Rudd lifting suitcases, Jack, in flood-prone lands. I remember him down, and I'm not going to make any jokes about this, I do remember him uh, after a Black Saturday in Victoria uh, where... It, it, it just seems to me that this is this is one of the one of the one of the things that any talented politician can do properly uh, is go along and 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 help people with the grieving process. And when you don't do it, it just looks awful. It I does. mean, it, it, <coughs> if you there's if a price to pay. There's a price to pay. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and and really, it's it's meat and drink. I remember uh, uh, John Howard in Bali, you know, it's meat and drink. And people would say to him, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming, Mr. Howard. Thank you for coming, Prime Minister. And he said, it's it's not that you do anything. It's just be there. Yeah. It's just you've got to be there and and, and you've got to listen to people and and, and talk to them. And it's just awful when they don't do those sorts of things. You know, it it really is just meat and drink. Really, I think that's where his problems stem from. Um, and then you know, I don't hold a hose, mate. You know that that that's his political epitaph, as far oh, as oh, that was time death, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear. So there you go. Uh, perhaps a bit more unpopular. In fact, I'd argue a lot more unpopular than the polls really showed. And that's uh, a wrap uh, for hard hats and high vis week eight. We'll be back with week nine to have a, a longer look at the teals as well and uh, and answer one or two of the questions that you've raised about uh, where to for 
uh, Australia now under a new government. Jack, it's we, been great to have you along. We might have a Labor, a Labor ministry elected by that. Yes, we, we, we certainly will have. So we'll be going through that. Uh, we're going through the cabinet, the winners, the losers. There's always a few. And uh, and go through all of that. And, of course, we'll have the shadow cabinet by then too, Jack. So Always we'll a few people who miss out on the job they wanted. A couple of people who need some counselling. A couple of people lie down. Some yeah. of them will start getting in touch with political journalists, Jack. The, that, the, the political journalists will be praying and hoping that happens and their prayers will be answered, I'm sure. Yeah, look, I think my, a couple of my sources are going to do okay. So that... Uh, that uh, that should be uh, uh, they should they might be a bit too busy to speak to me in future now. So um, and, and and one of your pals has really lucked in. He's got the great job. What's that? Which one? One of your pals has really lucked in. He's got a great job. Speech writer <laughs> to the prime minister. Oh yeah, well, James. Yeah, James. I did send him a congratulatory note, and he replied, which is lovely. So Jack, did he, been... did, did, did he respond on on, on note paper from a five star hotel? <laughs> no, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't. We haven't got that far yet. I do, I'm mainly keeping in touch with him on his Instagram account at the moment. Uh, but no, it was a great win for James. Um, uh, just a terrific bloke, and, and uh, richly deserved that he become the speech. Speechwriter for the Prime Minister. Uh, the, the Prime Minister might have one or two. Um, some, sometimes they do, but James is uh, a very gifted, uh, a very gifted writer himself. And, uh, and you'll, you'll uh, just have to get left. You just have to get used to the fact that when he walks on an aeroplane, turn left. <laughs> he's going. He's going. I think he'd be right with that now. No, terrific work for James. And uh, um, look, uh, he, he he rolled the dice with his career over that, and it's good to see. Uh, good to see the punters paid off. Jack, uh, terrific to have you along with us, and we'll be back next week. See you then. See you. See you, listeners.